travelers. We are aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Mars. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Masters of Modern podcast. I'm your host, Alex. What are you doing, Cass, the Descendant Mage, and I am now in modern. Hype! Cool. <laughs> dissident. Dissident Mage. Dissident. I'm gonna say it wrong a lot. Get ready. Get hyped. I still don't really understand. It's Dissident Mage. Yeah. So she's like. Dissident. Like she's. She's a dissident. Yeah. yeah. She's against the static quo, right? That's what dissident means, right? Welcome back. You're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> You're not hyped? This is like... It's like, this is awesome this levels of hype. the second coming of Kess it's also the second, It's also the second time we've previewed Kess. Well, actually, we didn't no, preview didn't Kess preview the first Kess. time. That was just me on Twitter. You My just previewed Kess on Twitter? Yeah. I've never, I've never gotten an exclusive. Yeah, and then I did it on the command zone. We did a thing about it because it's not commander focused. So when I was like, hey, Ben, do you want to do this on the episode? And you were like, have you seen that card? It's a 5-6 artifact creature. Uh, it costs two. You can only spend artifact mana to cast it. It's called Bateman. They gave it to me. <laughs> as a- <laughs> so super hyped. Uh, for those who don't know, cast Descendant Mage uh, is one red blue black for a legendary creature human wizard really exciting she is still mythic uh she's flying uh she's a three four and then during each of your turns you may cast an instant or sorcery card from your graveyard if a card cast this way will be put into your graveyard exile it instead it is uh, the same returning digital art from izzy beautiful artwork really 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 yep, gorgeous yep, yep, yep um we literally have a prince here for those people watching in the stream Yes. Very hyped. We also have in front of us my triple-sleeved commander deck for Kess, ready yeah. to show you key cards that are important to play with, as well as these three vials of blue liquid that yeah. uh, are for 21 and year older. We also both uh, work for a company, Alex runs it and owns it, uh, called Kess. Yeah, that makes balls, <laughs> like these drop-top balls, that yes. I'm badly hand-juggling. Yes, this is so are you saying the that ball. the Kess drop-dot <laughs> balls are imported from the hellscape of Grixis? Is yes, that... and there are even uh, blue, black, and red ones available right now exclusively at Claire's. Yes. <laughs> Exclusively at Claire's. You can get your ears The pierced. most demonic retailer in the world. Um, no, we love Claire's. Yeah, we, love, we love Claire's. Uh, uh, so, so, yeah, we're here to talk about Cast. We're here to talk about this is our Modern Horizons preview. Um, this is an official episode of the Masters of Modern podcast where we talk about modern. Um, uh, I am your host, Cass, <laughs> Descendant Mage. Descendant Mage. We should keep a count of how many times you say it incorrectly oh, in the episode. It's so hard. It's, uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Cast Dissident Mage. Um, I said it right. And I'm Ben Bateman, and you can find us on Twitter at the MMCast, or there's a Facebook group. In fact, I'm just going to throw us to this pre-roll that we do. What's up, guys? Masters of Modern here. I'm Ben Bateman. I'm Alex Kessler. And we've got a couple quick shout-outs for you guys that we wanted to remind you of on this episode. The first one is... Twitter at the MMCast. We've had a Twitter for years. It's a great place to interact with us. We post exclusive images of our brand new spoiler cards, all kinds of cool stuff. Check it out at the MMCast. It is a great way to support the show. Cass, where can the folks find you personally? I'm at Cass Wiley. You guys can find me at Ben Bateman Media. The second thing is we have a YouTube. You may be watching this right now, honestly. You might be listening to it. But one of the big pushes for us in 2019 is to build this YouTube channel. We want to get more eyes, more ears, bigger guests, better episodes, higher production quality. We even hired a producer right now. Subscribe, like, 
comment. It's going really well so far. And honestly, if you guys support it, even if you're an audio listener already, it's a huge thing you can do to help us grow this. The third thing, and maybe the most important thing for our long-term health is patreon.com slash the MMcast. Guys, this year is going to have a ton of cool rewards for you. We really want to make the Patreon feel special, and it's a great way to help us grow. Our ability to hire the producer, to get new gear, to do anything cool in the future is going to be dependent on our ability to actually pay for it. Well, and, and the producer will help us kind of make sure we stay on stuff on Patreon, so it'll be a really thriving community. Yeah. Now, the last thing I want to talk to you guys about is the command zone. Jimmy Wong, Josh Lee Kwai, these guys helped us start this thing. Mm -hmm. Collected.company is where you can find their stuff. They're seriously the most professional magic people in the world, not named Ben and Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they make awesome content every week, Commander Focus. They do game nights. They do uh, the command zone is obviously the podcast, the sister podcast of the MMCast. Check them out, Collected.company. It's the same place you can find our episodes every week as well. And the last thing is if you guys want to check out a great community, check out the Facebook group, the Masters of Modern. There's a ton of people in there. It's very interactive. There are constantly threads about new decks, new conversations. Uh, it's very active. Check it out. That's uh, Facebook, the official Masters of Modern group. And otherwise, let's get back to the show. Yep. Thanks, guys. But I'd like to point out that I think <laughs> I think it's it's understandable why you mispronounce it because she is descending a staircase in the art. She yeah. is a descendant mage as well yeah. as a dissident mage. If the name of the card was Cast Descendant Mage, I would not have questioned it or thought twice. So it's not really uh, like... Right, like yeah. I don't. That's that's why when you say it, I like double take for a second, and I go to see if there's a letter I missed that well, I was like, saying it's wrong. It's like the perfect word to make me miss make a mistake yes. on it, which I think is the most cast possible thing they could have printed. It, yeah. There's like <laughs> two S's. Like I could mix that up. The, uh, vowels are easy to mix up. That sure. could be an E. Like the, there's no way I'm spelling that and, correctly. And dissident is not a word that is used in common parlance. No, it's not. No. Um, so, it's a sweet preview card. Yeah. Thank you to Wizards of the Coast. Thank you so much for providing us with uh, an awesome preview, as you guys always do. I'm really just uh, making this card exist. Yeah, for supporting. about it. For community support, obviously, totally free of charge, and just for making us a better product. That's, yes. That's so cool to have your support, so thank you guys so much for that. We're in a pretty wild season of, there are spoilers that are coming out, I think, kind of every day. We're in the big season for, right. for the Modern Horizons spoilers, uh, a set that is half new cards, half old cards. So where do you, I, like I have a that. question, where, where do you find, fall into, like, using the word preview? versus spoilers because I know that like originally there was like off don't use spoilers but then YouTube algorithms have made it so spoilers are actually the word to use and there's like oh, I don't know I never have honestly thought about which is like the better one to use I know Blake um, prefers preview but has also given up and yes. has just said people can use spoiler because there's no way around it and I don't play a lot of commander I've played I've actually played like some and more sure. recently I built like a commander deck and I went out and I play, played a few nights yeah. it was really fun but even beyond that in Highlander Gauntlet which is a sweet format that we actually put up a video on our YouTube of everything about it you yeah. can check out I play this in one of my gauntlet decks yeah. uh, I play it in a Grixis like flash counter fairies type of deck but okay. it's the it's the top end because I refuse to play things that cost more than four sure so four is a real stretch for me um, but you know, because the deck is all like cantrips and burn spells. Right. Well, I mean, so the, the talking the real strategy of why this card is super relevant for modern, cause I do think it actually will make a big difference and kind of brings Grixis back to the table more than any card we've seen in a long time. Um, and I think that's partially because, uh, you know, repeatable snapcaster mage is a huge value engine. This is a card that sees pretty decent amount of, um, legacy, legacy play, play. Yeah. and the deck that is playing it for the most part, is pretty easy to port into modern. Now, that's a four-color deck, but that's because Deathrite Shaman exists. Um, but, you know, you are only losing some of the key cards, but gaining powerful effects that are almost better in modern anyways. I would much rather cast Surgical Extraction in the main deck off of Kess, and it's a much stronger card with Kess because you can get double hits off of it uh, the turn you play her, 
versus him to talk, for instance. Yeah. Well, right now, like, and him to talk is obviously a very powerful card. And maybe in Modern Horizons, we are in the middle of this week of previews, but um, I that seems be, unlikely and God, bad. I hope that would be, <laughs> I really hope it's not. I'm like crazy. casting myself at him to talk, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's appropriate. I think it'd be modern. bad for Modern. I, one of the things that's interesting about Cass in Legacy that is not the case in Modern is that we don't have Force of Will in Modern. Sure. So obviously, Cass being a blue card, uh, in the same way that having extra Jace the Mind Sculptors historically in Legacy is a good sure. thing, you can pitch them to Force. Um, which is why the currently like we're looking at a legacy list here that's done pretty well. It was a top eight at Grand Prix Birmingham in 2018. It plays two copies of Kess. Sure. Um, and but on the opposite end, like for, legacy is much more of a format where like yes. you don't get away with four drops. Right. Like in modern, Jace is a staple. Teferi a five drop is a staple. Um, Bloodbraid Elf, like Scape Shift. Like there's a ton of cards yeah. in this format oh, yeah. that, oh, that yeah. cost four mana. It's a much more allowable. Um, casting costs in our format um and i do think where we lose out on force of will like something that Kess is interesting about Kess is Kess is not the best with counter magic yeah. in fact when we talk about the counter magic that i think is good to play with her often it's mo mod modal right uh where something like a is it charm or something like a cryptic command i guess we're talking about that now uh where on your turn you can uh, on your opponent's turn you can counter a spell but then if you have it in your graveyard with Kess in play you can then use it for one of its not instant speed functions because the one key thing about her there's two kind of key things about her ability that are different than other cards like snapcaster mage one she doesn't have flash you can't you know you do this during your main phases you have to do it at sorcery speed so instant speed spells like counter magic you can't rebuy on your opponent's turns it's actually one of the most awkward play patterns of the card and i think one of the most effective points of design is to not have given it flash like let's let's pretend well, it's not, it wouldn't having flash would have mattered it's just the wording is during each of your turns so when it's not your turn you can't use her ability yes so because you can cast so if, say i cast Kess and it gets into play and then you want to terminate it and i have two mana i can remand your terminate to stop it from hitting my cast right because it's just my turn. I can cast instant speeds at instant instance at instant speed, just not when you're on your turn. It just has to be my turn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because I mean that's definitely the thing. Is like you're t you're playing a blue deck, you know, blue black red, and presumably a lot of what you're wanting to do in the deck. I mean, blue is counter spells. That's instant speed. So it's kind of a tenuous relationship. Whereas like Snapcaster Mage very much does play with counter magic properly. Like, sure. That's the way the card functions. You have to play your deck a little differently here. Uh, I ish like. There's not that many counter magic spells you need to play with for her to just be fine with them. Like, and, and some of them are good. Like, for instance, Remand is really powerful with Kess because you can use it to draw cards off of on your turn if you want to. If it's like the only spell in your hand, it has a modal use, but it's good on your opponent's turn at a lower mana cost. Absolutely. So there's, there's other cards in the format. Like, you still play with counter magic. I have counter magic in my Kess Commander deck, even though it doesn't work with Kess because counter magic is powerful in Grixis. But what you do get is rebuying Lightning Bolts. You get rebuying Terminates. You get rebuying Colgan's Command at a level that's easier to even do it than with Snapcaster Mage because you don't right. have that. Like, every Colgan's Command, you get two of no matter what. Versus a Snapcaster Mage, you have to drop both and then or bounce it to your hand or return it once it dies. I think what I mean when I say it's a more tenuous relationship with instance versus sorceries is that, like, you want every spell in your deck to be an instant if you're a good magic player because you want to be able to respond to things. Like mm -hmm. Ideally, right? Not everyone is, so some things are instant, some things are sorceries, right? Every things card would be strictly better if it was an if instant. It was an speed. Exactly. So it's interesting when you play a lightning bolt and you hold a red mana open to interact with something to then flash that lightning bolt back at sorcery speed, tapping out on your turn, not leaving your mana open for, say, the instant you could be bluffing that's in your hand. That's why this card 
at four CMC is so interesting to me, and I've struggled to properly play it. It probably makes way more sense in Commander because you have more time. So tapping a bunch of lands, leaving mana open is easier to do. I disagree with okay. that evaluation. Uh, a, if you have the four mana, if you're playing on turn five, you just want to flashback a lightning bolt, you do it. It's basically letting you draw a card, right? Otherwise, you're just paying a five drop and not doing anything. If you need to hold that mountain up to interact, you just interact. You don't have to spend her ability every turn, and you still have a three four flyer that dodges half the removal in the format. Um, that's something you mentioned something really interesting there. You don't have to use the ability every turn. Right, it's like Liliana. I, I think that that's well, but the instinct would be to use the ability every turn, right? Sure. Like Liliana, if you plus it to both discard, you might not do that if you have a card you really don't want to discard. Sure. Whereas, like it's every single time advantageous to draw a card. No matter what, like using the ability every turn is the best thing to do, but you don't have to do it. And I think it's a trap to fall into. I think it's something to like something probably to point out for players. Right. And and I think it's something also, you know, this does increase the value of, you know, the first mana spells you can cast for free or any free spell because it allows you to pay with a four drop. And then, you know, I mentioned um, surgical extraction, which is obviously the hottest version of doing this with, but even a card like. Um, Gutshot becomes much better in this deck because you on turn four can play this and it's now four mana to do two damage to a creature. So it's four, four life to shock someone or you wait a turn and you have it for free or you can get one thing off of it. So I wonder if this, because you know, the uh, Is It Phoenix decks traditionally play two Crackling Drake in the four drop slot and it's a haymaker. It's like you play it and win usually. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if you just play this in that slot because I you can. I don't, you, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's like a yes or no because they both yeah. have different reasons they're good, but I think she's very good in the Phoenix deck because she, by herself, basically gets you a Phoenix's deck. You right. need one other spell. And she gets the Surgical. You don't want to play the Drake. I don't think it's a, a yes or no. I don't think this is just strictly better than the Drake, especially because it puts you into Grixis, but I definitely think it by itself buys Phoenix's back with one other card. Yeah, so I think like let, let, let's like jump into a couple of the modern decks where we think this could be played. So you had mentioned Grixis Control. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the first and most obvious place, right? Like some of the some of the cards in Grixis Control, let's just say Serum Visions, make perfect sense of this card. It's like a slam dunk. You untap with this card, and you're already way, way, way ahead. Mm -hmm. um, maybe Kologon's Command, some other cards like that. What are some of the cards you think if you were going to play this in Grixis? maybe that wouldn't be as good. Like, what are some things that you don't get as much value off of? So that's that's one of the reasons I'm pretty excited. I don't think there are many cards in that deck that get much worse with Kess in it. Like, even the stuff like um, the Delph spells, like like um, Gurmag Angler, that would want cards to be in your graveyard and Kess technically removes them from the graveyard as you cast spells with it. Most of the cards you're playing with her that are in that deck anyways are getting you more cards in your graveyard regardless. So you're getting... Like you're buying more cards in your hand that let you cast more spells, that let you get your Gurmag Angler in play. And I think turn four, having the choice between the two, you make the right choice depending on the the like what you're fighting against. I like that it's four toughness as well. Obviously mm -hmm. for blocking for for uh, dodging bolt, but then also for blocking Phoenix. Right. I think it being a flyer that can block a Phoenix favorably is pretty strong. That's uh, that's yeah, yeah. that's that's like really significant. There's like a few things that she like weirdly dodges, and it's I mean it's it's powerful. I mean the the fact that you know Brock Decay can't kill her lightning bolt any of the burn in the format that really sees play can't really kill her. Right. So she dodges a lot of this really powerful removal spells. Um, obviously, path kills her, but path kills everything. <laughs> so she, yeah, she dies to path. She dies to terminate. Assassin's she dies trophy. to assassin's trophy. Right. And dismember. And dismember. But yeah. the benefit to her against those cards is, is if you cast her with six mana in play, 
and you're playing any of the counter magic of the format, she lets you rebuy those on the, your turn. So they have to do those actions at sorcery speed because you are able to protect her. And then add the fact that you could be playing free counter magic, um, like the zero mana, what's the, the you lose the game. Pact of negation. Pact of negation. Um, or other kind of counter magic on that level, which is commandeer. really which, yeah, commandeer. But and those are better with Kess than they normally would be in a control shell because a you're playing a ramp, you want to get more mana into play. B you're really using it to protect her, or protect whatever you're doing, and so later in the game it's better. And as a one of getting the value of being able to just protect anything in play is really strong. It's one of the first powerful humans printed in a modern while that's not going to affect humans. You wouldn't it play might. this card. I, I, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't. You, you yeah, would have to no play like spells. <laughs> you just wouldn't play. Yeah, Not she might minutes. as well be a Vidalkin shaman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> She's a wizard though, which is she was in the wizard commander set. Yeah, uh, and they're and they're pushing. I mean, blue and red got support in Dominaria for wizards, so there's more and more of that. And mm-hmm. like, I have to say, playing four lightning bolts, but then also playing four wizards lightning and having this card in your deck seems pretty bonkers. Just like the ability to flash and back wizards more lightning retort. bolts. She makes wizards retort yep. a proper counter spell, yep. even if it's in the yard. The other thing, and kind of a piece, speaking of lightning bolt and snapcaster mage, which is what I'm now speaking of, <laughs> getting just two extra copies of snapcaster mage in your deck that are functionally not worse. Like, like Kess is not strictly worse than snapcaster mage. They have different uses. She's a better card advantage engine lets you burn your like you can play counter burn or grixis counter burn really well with those two cards in the deck together because like just every lightning bolt or you play you know the neck the wizard retorts all of those are now like you get 16 copies of right eight no yeah 16 copies of uh, right. lightning bolt in your oh, deck. that's crazy that's a lot and you're just and that's just by playing four of those cards and you get to like be a great control deck otherwise you mentioned bolt and snap and so this is something interesting to think about right if you end of turn flash in Snapcaster Mage to flashback Lightning Bolt, you've spent three mana. Mm-hmm. You untap, and now you have a two-power creature on the ground. So sure. if unblocked, it's cost you three mana on their turn that you mm-hmm. didn't spend on your turn to generate potentially five damage if they don't have a way to block your 2-1, right? This card, you spend an extra mana on your turn, so four instead of three. You untap. Now you're able to flashback the same Lightning Bolt, except it's on the next turn, and you ta- attack for three in the air. It represents, if not messed with, six damage on the untap if you have one lightning bolt, which like in a lot of the decks that are going to be just like tempoing out on velocity, mm-hmm. that's going to pretty much just end the game. Right. It's basically bolt snap bolt, except you have a three, four flyer instead, instead of a two, one yeah. ground pounder. And the, the, you know, the exciting thing about Kess versus Snapcaster Mage is if you play her properly, she's a Snapcaster Mage who then, if not answered, generates a Snapcaster Mage every turn. From yeah, right. right. Like, yeah, that, that, I think she's like, just on that game plan is powerful. Um, the next deck I wanted to talk about is Storm. Uh, okay. That's that's classically one of the more powerful things people do with it in Commander, to the extent that it's not fun to play that deck in Commander, because people get annoyed at you, because it's Commander. <laughs> um, but, like, and even outside of necessarily dedicated Storm decks, she's, with a Ritual, she's very powerful. The fact that you get off of any of the, th- you know, two mana for three mana Ritual, almost a seething song out of the deal because you get two mana above it is really strong and she can take advantage of. Not to mention, we haven't even talked about it, but Mana Morphos with this card is insane. Now, you can cast a card from your graveyard and if you, if the cost reduction is there on like a Delve spell, you can cast it for its cost reduction Correct. cost, you're, right? You're casting. It's not like flashback. So it's... the. the Something we should talk about is how it's different than flashback. Yeah, it's relevant. So the one you just mentioned is 
you know, it's not this card has flashback equal to its converted mana cost, which is what Snapcaster Mage does. It's you can cast this spell out of your graveyard and then let me read the exact words. If a card cast this way would be put into your graveyard exiled instead. And so Delve works with her. Um, Replicate works with her. Um, stuff with um, Buyback works with her. Anything that like you can add stuff to its casting costs. Overload, you can overload spells with Kicker. Casts. Kicker, all of that works. Does uh like, I'm, I feel like I'm remembering playing against a Snapcaster Mage and a Logic Knot. If you flash back Logic Knot, you can't delve cards away. No, you, you, can you can with right? Delve. I think Delve is different than... Delve is the same, yeah. Because Delve is an after the cost. So you set how much... You say you're going to Logic Knot for three. So the casting cost becomes five. And then Delve says you may exile cards to help pay for it. Got it, got it, got yeah. it. Okay. So like you can convoke with Snapcaster Mage. Yeah, yeah, convoke yeah. Convoke yeah. similar. Um... The other thing that's important about it, different than Scampercaster Mage, is the way Flashback works is no matter what happens, that card gets exiled. If you cast a card for Flashback, at the end of it resolving, if it's countered, if anything happens to it, if it goes back to your hand, if it gets remanded, exiled. When Kess casts a spell, if it gets remanded, if your opponent remands a spell cast with Kess, you just put it into your hand. If you play a spell with buyback, which is the main way to kind of accomplish this on your own, you can have a card like Reiterate, which is the fork uh, with split second in your graveyard, cast it, buy it back to put it back into your hand. And in fact, you can go infinite with that, infinite mana with that and anything that, any ritual that generates more than 10 mana, I think it is. I mean, that's pretty significant with increasing the the red increase, increasing In, vengeance. Right. Yeah. Because you can cast it for just two out of the yard with her, but get your double, you know, your three copies or whatever right. from casting it from your graveyard. Well, and, and yeah, so like increasing vengeance, there's the red fork that does that. That is that vengeance? Increasing what's, vengeance is what's the, the black one, one? The tutor. Increasing ambition. Increasing ambition, ambition is really the good. Double tutor. Double tutor um, for just five mana. Yeah. The blue one is mill, so that one's less impressive. Because the cards state that if you cast them from your graveyard, they double the yes, and then you can cast it for. And you don't have to spend any mana to get the initial flashback, like on a Snapcaster, right. so it's much more executable. You know what I was thinking about? Uh, we talked about this a little bit on the on the preview, and I actually on an airplane last week messed around with the uh, the Dreadheart Arcanist with with. Uh, uh, become immense. Okay. Like the whole lot, like 13 on turn. Oh, three. Yeah, yeah. The new two drop red one, three that lets you cast when it attacks. Spells. Yes. Yeah. So what about playing four dread hurricanist and a couple, two or three casts in that same deck with noxious really revival, uh, and faithless looting. And so just like, you just like set up and, and then you could even, you could even play, um, what's it called? Um, Revenge of the Hunted, mm-hmm. the Miracle Six Drop, well, as like, another way to get seven power. The Phyrexian Man is a spell that doesn't get mentioned very much outside of Stompy decks, and um, in fact, is the Pump one, too. Mutagenic, Mutagenic growth, growth, which is really good in this deck. And yeah. so I, I do think there's like a cool cast Stompy with those two cards. Like, you're already going to want to play, what is the card? Thought Scour, like all these cards are already good in that deck. Looting. Charm's really good in that deck because you can right. discard stuff for Delve if you want to. Well, or, you mentioned like you can counter their spell mm-hmm. and then on your turn, Flashback is a charm for its modal cost of looting. You get like both sides of it, which is pretty dope. But uh, n- notably, Dreadhorde Arcanist is also a wizard. So now you have Snaps, Cass, oh, and Dreadhorde oh, yeah. are all wizards that are reducing the cost of your Wizard Lightning and Wizard Retorts. Well, and, and like, you know, as we're talking about this, one thing to keep mentioning and we keep bringing it up, Kess is aggressive. Like a 3-4 flyer, there's a reason that I want to put Restoration Angel in every deck exactly, I've ever built. And, exactly. And she 
guarantees so much more value than Restoration Angel ever did. You don't have to figure out how to like make wall of omens in a format work. So I think that like an aggressive version of this deck is really interesting. And there's just, yeah, we, you know, both of them are wizards. So you get all the lightning bolts. Uh, another card that like, you know, of our preview cards <laughs> behind us, Claim to Fame is actually also really interesting with Kess, just from the fact that she lets you buy the front end of Aftermath cards from your graveyard, or if she's not around, you still get the aggressive bottom half. So in that deck, for instance, that's pretty good, because yeah. you're now playing black and red, you get to pump the Arcanist with I, Claim, or reanimate it if they kill it with Claim. Uh, yeah, I do wonder... Fame and Claim. Like, so in that same deck, because you're playing black already, you're very likely playing four to six hand disruption spells because mm -hmm. the whole idea of getting a Thoughtseize down on turn one and Arcanist on turn two and attacking and flashing back Thoughtseize is like nuts. Just like... Speaking of him to Torak. <laughs> yeah, that seems really good. Well, so that, Yeah, that's I guess something we didn't mention earlier in the control conversation is just... This card is nuts with Thoughtseize. You yeah. cast Thoughtseize on turn one through three to make sure that they don't have a way to stop cast. On turn four, you cast cast. And on turn five, you Thoughtseize them again. Or it's on like turn five, you get both. Yeah. It's just like, oh, good job. You're not playing Magic ever again. <laughs> yeah, really, really good. I also start to think, too, like, so I wonder how many multicolor cards you could start to get into a deck that wants to get value out of the graveyard before starting to play, like, what's that? What's the stupid black cold snap free spell? Is it a four, uh, soul, uh, spike? soul spike? Like I, I wonder. Like I don't know what that card does. It's soul, it's exile. It. You may exile two black cards from your hand rather than pay its mana cost. It's a seven cost instant. Six, I think. I think it's. Or, I think it's black, black four, and it's uh, four to any target you gain four. Uh, it's so it's like you know whatever it's you you drain gain four. Okay. Um, but it's a burn spell. Sure. And it just makes me think like this is not a black card, but it's a black card, is right? It discard like, or exile. Exile. Mm, yeah, which is worse. Yeah. But it does make me start to think like if you're gonna get a lot of value and you're just gonna keep drawing cards out of your graveyard with like a cast and like Colagon's command and stuff like that, I do I do start to wonder with so many powerful multicolor cards being printed, does that ever start to be a thing? Like that's a card that I've always wondered because it's so it's so cost prohibitive, it's so right. expensive. Well, there's so much card advantage attached to this card that just getting your hand filled. The 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 next deck archetype I did want to describe, um, because I know we're running a little bit out of time. Um or I lose you, and we'll figure out where we're at, uh, is the extra turns deck. So oh, classically, yeah. that's mono blue, but you kind of go infinite if you untap with Kess in play in that deck. I don't think you don't. like. I think from that point on, you just... You have enough extra turns cards in your deck that you just keep flashing them back. You like you get two out of each one. Two so on turn, on turn four, you play Kess, and on turn five, you play a fifth land. Then you play... Time warp. Time warp. Take an extra turn, untap, flashback, time warp. Now, at that point... You have spent all of your mana on back-to-back -back turns, so having another time warp to play after you've played two time warps is not guaranteed, but it's also not totally yeah, unlikely. You're playing so many extra turn cards in the deck, and you're getting lands in the play, and you're drawing extra cards, because the other thing those decks do is they play like Howling Mind Effects and stuff like that to make it so that... You mentioned, the, just, because the, yeah. just for you to add, the buyback card, Walk yes. the Eons, which is a very unique and interesting so effect with Kess that you were explaining to me. Yeah, so... Because of the buyback effect, it was on top. It's no longer there. Uh, Marshall has it in front of us. Yeah, it's walk up the, on the screen. But walk for people the that aren't on yeah. audio, it's blue, blue, four, take an extra turn, and it's buyback is sacrifice three islands, right? Yeah, correct. So I don't think you play with too many of these in this deck, but I do think the fact that you get to get three cop or infinite copies, theoretically, but three turns off of those three islands with cast. So you cast it once regularly. You then have it in your graveyard. You then sack three islands as you cast it out of your graveyard to then be able to cast it one more time with Kess. And so 
And that hopefully you play islands on each of those turns to ramp back up. So you're never kind of really down on islands based on how many turns you're taking. So by itself, it can kind of continue that chain pretty far down the line. Um, it's definitely pretty fascinating that that card, even just as a one of in the extra turns cast deck, very likely can result in four extra turns if you just like run kind of hot on what you're drawing. Yeah. Now you do have to play super heavy blue, but you probably are anyway. Like Cryptic Command is probably a card you want to be well, playing the deck, with Kess. The deck's currently mono blue, right? So, it, and sometimes it's blue black, but yeah. like, so adding splashing red and blue off of island lands, like you have you have steam vents and, and watery graves all day yeah. and you're fine. Uh, and, the other and thing is- you also is, have the- the Tango Lands and the Cycle Lands, even right. if you wanted them. And, and Part the Veil, like, currently that deck has been playing Part the Veil as its main control finisher. Part the Water Veil. I was just going to say, veil. this is a win con on its own. Yeah, you don't need the Part the Water Veils anymore because she is an extra turns card by herself, basically. And well, then... Because she comes down on turn four, mm-hmm. and then literally, if they don't interact with you and your chain starts going off, now you've got your win condition already swinging by turn five, right. which doesn't really mean you have to go... You don't have to spend that many turns to win the game. Not to, like, And you can tap away threats that have... With Giga Drows, obviously, but then you don't have to pay her on turn four. Just halfway through the turn, you're, you're going off, and once you get to the point where you normally cast Part the Water Veil, you have the 10 mana you need to be able to animate a land... Instead, just cast her and cast one of the spells you already cast at your graveyard. So my next question is, on a basic, just like an evaluation of the power level, and is it or is it not safe for modern? So we haven't played with this in modern yet. We don't know what else is in the set. Uh, obviously, this this is printed in a cycle over a couple of years of these really high-powered mythic legendary creatures to, in Commander product, right? This, in, in fact, to this point, the only version that exists is this foil version, right? This yeah. is- so one of the reasons, I, I think I shot called this on the command zone when I guessed it on talking about what cards could be Modern Horizons. And one of my reasons for it is because up to this point, this card has been a tournament play a card, playable card without non-foil copies, which we've talked previously about is problematic in tournament play because foils peel or curl. They warp, and so it's marked. They have to give you basically a stand-in proxy at a tournament to play this card. Yeah. I'm so excited that all of my commitment to this card existing uh, <laughs> is just going to... Now I get to talk about Castle Modern Masters of Modern. Well, all these like what's your favorite card has been weird because I have like, well, my favorite card's a commander card that yeah. isn't like relevant to the podcast that I have. Now I've come together, I'm complete, I'm the perfect version of me. You are the he quoted. Well now yeah. now I just I need Taffy Toe Claus, who did my, my logo on Twitter right now is a picture by her of me as Kess juggling drop top balls. You can go look at that right now. I almost also printed that out giant size, uh, but now I just need to make a cosplay. Hopefully she can help me figure that out. I mean, I feel like now your destiny is to get an altered art of Kess with your drop dots. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to do a mat with the art that she get made, which will be cool. And then uh, I need to do a... Uh, I need a cosplay. I need to figure out how to make this happen. So a couple quick things. The internet cosplay I- people help me help you help me make this happen. So a couple quick things before I jump, because I got to get out of here in a second to go watch John Wick 3, which I'm super hyped about, because um, the screening starts in 30 minutes. You but. know this episode comes out two weeks from now, so everyone's seen it already. Oh, yeah. That's not cool at all. <laughs> um, so two things that I wanted to talk about. The first one is... Shot called John Wick before everyone else, so we have it on record. What happens? Does he die? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> my first thought is, the power level of this seems appropriate for modern. seems exactly balanced. Um, of the ones that they picked... Of, of the of the ones that they picked like from old sets and whatnot to reprint i feel like this is kind of exactly right mm-hmm. uh, i'm the most satisfied with this one i was thinking about some of the other cards uh printed in the in these products like you know brea is another card that gets a lot of play mm-hmm. right like leovold's card that sees a lot of play uh although i think that's conspiracy originally but um i, I think you know based on 
previous episodes, we did like, what do we think is going to be a Modern Horizons? And this episode's unique because we're recording this before we know anything. The, the set's not out yet. Um, we are, this is what's today's date, May 13th. Um, and been, we're all out of town, so we're recording it now. Um, but one of the interesting things about it, and, and, and more we've seen kind of responses of people what the set's going to be publicly, like Mark Rosewater on his Tumblr was talking about where this came from, and it was, they just wanted to make Time Spiral 2, is like, I think really what it is, is it's not necessarily like anything other than that and they know that they could never do that again for standard but it's one of the best sets beloved by you it's your favorite set of all time well, future uh, it's probably my favorite set too. yeah favorite block but like for new players it's not good so it can't ever be in standard and with that in mind i don't feel like wizards is going to want to just like snap modern in half i think they're going to be a little bit more tepid and i do think this is the exact type of power level of a card where it's really exciting for me personally <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, i'm all that matters here um, it's really exciting but it also isn't going to break it in half. It's a safe four drop creature that there's infinite removal to get rid of, but offers a lot of cool, exciting, different things that happen. So the other thing I want to mention really quickly before I get out of here, and then I'm going to leave Alex and Marshall to, to wrap it up, is we talked about this two weeks ago on the show, and we're just going to bring it up quickly each episode because as we ramp up to Vegas and GP Seattle, I want to remind everybody of it. Um, and I say it because I play this card in Highlander Gauntlet, literally, mm -hmm. um, which is a power level in that format and in the deck I play it in, not too far from modern, honestly. Like... I can't play twin in that in, in modern. I can play it in that deck, but in general, a lot of the same things are there. And so <laughs> I've gotten a pretty good sense of how this card will function with the power level we deal with. Right. Um, but that format is called Highlander Gauntlet. So the quick elevator pitch on it is that it's six 100 card decks. Uh, there are no repetitions between the six. It's a 1v1 format, and the reserve list is the banned list. We're actually going to be running the very first sanctioned tournament ever. Um, in Vegas at GP Vegas in August with Channel. Uh, we're really excited about it. Alex and I have our, our gauntlets built. You can go watch a full video with me and Eric Whitehats, one of the originators of the format on this channel. We dropped it a couple weeks before this. Talking about the format, there's some deck techs we're working on you guys are going to see as well. Yep. And I believe Alex and I are both going to be in Seattle yes. for GP Seattle, yes. June, the weekend of around June 20th, uh, probably playing in that Modern Horizons event. We'll have our gauntlets there. So if you want to give it a shot, you want to build something, even just the first half of your gauntlet, try it out. Come hang out with us, play some games. We really, really want to see a turnout in Vegas. And, uh, you know, we'll, and we'll be jamming spells in general. So we'll have modern decks, we'll have commander decks. I'll have Kess built and ready to fight you now with Nexus of Fate. Uh, and possibly, I think I got the artist proofs. <laughs> They're in the way. So I'll have all four, and it'll be great. It'll be fun. So I'm super excited. But uh, yeah, and in Highland Gauntlet, one thing that I think it's really good for is, you know, if you have a cube already, it's really easy to get into it. You just kind of separate the cards into four, six archetypes that you want to play with. It's already singleton. Uh, the other thing that I think, it, you know, something that is, is a key to the format is if you and someone else play a lot of magic together or are on the road a lot or are just kind of like, but you don't want to just jam the exact same two decks against each other every single day, it gives a lot of variety to magic play in a really competitive setting. Um, yeah, which is why it was created originally. It's it's like, that's the most fun is if you play with one person a lot, you guys build your gauntlets, you get infinite numbers of games. We, and the like, variety we, spent, is, like, we spent like six hours in Minneapolis last week where we were just like stuck in our hotel room with nothing to do because it was late at night, but we didn't have to do anything, just jamming games. And it like yeah. we play it, you can play for hours. It's really fun. It's really fun. So, um, yeah, so, so check it out. it out. Get hyped. Uh, I got to get out of here. I'm going to leave it to these guys to finish up. But thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And gonna... uh, I'll see you guys all soon. All right. So Ben had to leave because he has to go see John Wick 3, a movie we all saw three weeks ago. But as a special treat, I'm going to reveal for the first time our producer-in-chief, Marshall James, on video on the podcast. This is Marshall. This is what he looks like. You may have seen him on previous things that we've done or his own podcast. I, I was going to say, I believe I have actually been on the show before. <laughs> <laughs> but have you been on the video version? 
Uh, only people who watch the stream may have seen. Oh, okay, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The little peeks in on the stream side because because you've been on episodes since the very second episode ever. That's right. You were on the second I episode. I learned of that I was on the second episode ever. Yeah, so. we we did uh, the set review for Konzatar Gear Block. Oh my gosh, that was that's how long ago what this podcast set. has been going. What a set! I believe we from said, cons to Kess. I believe we said the enemy fetch lands were going to be a thing. That they, you know, and that's sometimes shot you shot call. call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, to continue the conversation on, on, on things that Kess. Oh my gosh, be, I'm oh, so I'm excited! Like, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? So. I mean, it's really exciting that it's Snapcaster Plus, which is really cool. The the thing, so right now, the modern deck that I'm most hyped on, that I, I spend the most time like tweaking, is uh, Mystical Teachings with Wilderness Reclamation. Okay. And uh, I think a four-color build with, uh, with Wilderness Reclamation, I mean, the fact that Wilderness Reclamation doubles your mana on your turn. Right. Or, or it just allows you to reset your mana on your opponent's turn. So, given the fact that Kess, you know, she she makes it to where you only get to cast extra spells on your own turn, but it doesn't say win on your own turn. So, they can be during your instep when right. you floated a bunch of mana. The, uh, yeah, the fact that you can play her, have it untap your mana, and then get to cast any instant spell you have in your graveyard as long as it has, is relevant. So, oh, like, yeah, like if you roll out the... If you just force out the wilderness wreck on turn four, like they they went shields down, and you're like, the worst thing you can do to me won't kill me, and just force out the wilderness wreck, and then the following turn you can just cast Kess, untap, and now you're like in total control, which really excites me. And another cool card that I've gotten a lot of excitement for is uh, hieroglyphic illumination, which is obviously great with Kess. Oh right, because you can cycle it early, and then later when Kess is in play. Uh, really get the uh, the value out of just casting the hieroglyphic back. Well, and, and and a card that people really wanted us to talk about that we didn't get a chance to on the set review for the the, the newest set, um, War of the Spark, is the hexproof a mask card, Lazotep. Lazoteps because a it protects her, b you get creature value out of it. So that's something also I think that like we didn't really talk about with Ben too much is just token makers are good with her. Like anything that you can just buy back to get token spells into play, you get twice, you know, you can use that as a, a extra value. Yeah, and it's like really nice because Lazotep plating not only protects her but also f- later on protects her from edict effects. So Liliana or Liliana's Triumph, mm-hmm. you now have an amass token you can sack right. so you don't have to sack Kess. And those get like the second one gets it bigger so you can kind of keep using it and then you gain value off of it. I think that's like before I knew this was a card that existed, I was more off of that card. But then with this coming into the format, I got more excited. Um, yeah. And uh, so some fun facts about the card that I forgot about and now I'm remembering kind of the design history. So the card that this is based off of is Carador. So during the design oh, okay. of the card, they were like, well, I just want to make Carador for spells. And this is where they got to. Oh, yeah. Carador's three, a 3-4. Three, that's three color and lets you interact yeah. out of the yard. So yeah. it, it, its ability is it gets cheaper for every card you have in your graveyard. It costs three. It costs black, white, green, and five. And then it becomes cheaper for every card you have in your graveyard. That counts or towards creature card, every creature card in your gra- graveyard. And then you can cast a creature card from your graveyard once every turn. So they wanted to do a spell version of that, which is where it casts from. Uh, the other thing is uh, Mel Lee, who... We used to work at Wizards, uh, informed me this at GPLA. Uh, so apparently the name, and she was one of the people that came up with it, came from, she had a professor called Professor Kessler who juggled during class and, uh, while riding a unicycle. And this is where 
Oh man, you could you could totally alter the art of Kess because she looks like she could be where you could put a wheel right here. This could be a pedal, and her foot back here is back. Like it does look like she could be pedaling. Yeah, I think like I think she saw that. It was like, oh yeah, it's a juggling unicyclist. I had a professor that did that. Bam. Wow. So so Kessler was the inspiration, just not this, not this Kessler. Yeah. Yeah. I need to meet that professor and thank him and learn how to juggle better. I mean, this is really exciting. I mean, like Modern Horizons, the the fact that a commander card is now confirmed to be in yeah. Modern Horizons means that all of the commanders are now up. Like, would Carador be broken in Modern? No, I don't I, think so. I think Carador is high on my list of cards I would love to see added to Modern. I've like always loved what that card does. It's probably one of the my favorite commanders that I don't have a deck currently built for because I like leaned really hard into only having two color decks that so that has changed over time. Um, and now they printed Mirren of Clan Nel Toth, who's basically just better. better. Yeah, 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 right. Um, but I do think that like, yeah, there's a lot of really cool cards out there. I'm really excited to see what other people are coming out with right now. Obviously, there's a bunch of previews today that we like. <laughs> yeah, what if yesterday <laughs> they previewed Carador and we're like, <laughs> just sitting here, oh, would it be nice? <laughs> <What are> we? <laughs> uh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> Spoiler, we have no idea whether or not yeah. Carador is in there, but um, that would be cool. Uh, sh- any, any shot calls from the past? Oh, any shot calls that I think are going to be yeah. in? Oh man, we're time time capsuling. So we like look really dumb as soon as we say the things, or we look like geniuses. Uh, like when I started playing Magic competitively, like I, I've been playing since back when Fallen Empires was like sure. the hot new stuff. But I started playing Magic competitively with Apocalypse, and so I've always had sort of an infatuation with that set. So I would love to see like uh, Spirit Monger, Vindicate, oh, yeah. Pernicious D. I mean, I don't know if Pernicious D's too strong, but it's. I don't think it is. I think it would be fine. Um, and like, I don't think Vindicate is too strong other than they may not want another stone rain, but like Molten Rain is already in modern and Molten Rain isn't. He's one deck Ponza. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they could put Vindicate in. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I, yeah, I think I've always been like a big fan of like Spearmonger. Like, I don't think he'd see any play in modern, but that would be a sweet, right. A sweet option. I think, I think. Flusterstorm is still a card that I think would be really good for modern. I think just a one mana better than spell pierce situation. And it's this is the only type of set they could ever print that in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be really fascinating. I'm really excited to see what's going to be in this set. Yeah. Like as far as uh, commander cards, Toxic Deluge. I, I really the hope, on top of my deck. I really hope not toxic hope not, deluge. Okay. I think I think that's I think that's too much. Card that we didn't talk about now that I'm cycling through stuff. Ashiok is really dope with Kess because you can mill yourself the five cards and basically draw five cards and then the next turn play Kess to play those cards while exiling your opponent's graveyards and preventing them from sh- searching for things. I just have this list of cards I forgot. Uh, another one that hasn't seen a lot of play I'm excited for, Mission Briefing. So that's the blue-blue... Oh, yeah. I'm just going to read it. Surveil two, then choose an instant or sorcery card in your graveyard. You may cast that card this turn. If that card will be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So it has a very similar wording to Kess's back end. So all the shenanigans you might want to do, but it kind of gives you just extra pieces of cast to be able to use. Plus you can use Kess on this to get to a, like surveil two if you don't have cards in your graveyard or you want to use it as a filter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's just like a little bit of extra umph. And then we didn't really talk about Faithless Looting, but this is another deck that Faithless <laughs> Yet Looting is insane, insane in. Surprising no one. <laughs> card fate, yeah. And, you know, and she she makes cards like even things like Thirst for Knowledge, like cards where you have to discard cards as the drawback. Right. Are not so bad right. when 
Cass when is you're your, drawing extra one of every one of those spells. Yeah. And like Jace Fringe Prodigy is also really good with her, I think. And another wizard. That. And another wizard. And it it's, adds redundancy, right? Like if you're building an engine where Cass is a main piece of it, but you want to have Cass 5, 6, and Snapcaster Mage isn't exactly what you want, he's really good. Not to mention the fact that his looting ability lets cards get into the graveyard again that Cass and him can buy back into the future. It is interesting. There could be a really interesting, almost new kind of aggro Grixis Wizards deck. Yeah, with those three. Like all, like with... with Arcanist mm-hmm. and Snaps and even like possibly Adelies. Right. It's like Adelies like if unanswered like puts the game away real fast. Well, the fact that Jace can attack still, right? Like the fact, yes, it's a zero two, but this is a deck where we're talking about playing uh, become immense and mutagenic, uh, mutagenic growth. growth. So like just making Jace bigger. And gift of the something, the miracle. Yeah, that was the one I was less hot on, but I do think claim to fame is really good. Yeah, well, I and that's it because he get chased back. I hadn't even thought about claim to fame with Dreadhorde Arcanist. That's yeah. like really sweet that you can claim the Arcanist and then fame him to attack and, and then, then draw cast. another spell. Yeah, they're like really good together. Because it gives him plus two plus zero, oh, so then you can cast Wizard Lightning, which has the default cost of three. If you oh, claim yeah. fame your Dreadhorde Arcanist, then you can attack. That's an insane play. We should have talked about that yeah, when we were talking about it. Or you can attack, or you can cast your uh, Culligan's command. command. Yeah, like there's a lot of three mana cost things that if you claim flame, this deck's sweet. We need to. <laughs> This like, like, I wish like we not to more. overshadow Kess, but <laughs> just a <laughs> just a Rakdos claim fame Arcanist deck. Well, but I, th- good. I think one of the reasons it's exciting now, or more than it was before, is it's just him by himself is medium because it's every time there's like a one piece combo that kind like makes your engine work, but if you don't draw it, everything gets much worse is problematic. But the fact that we have him, Jace Friends Prodigy, Snapcaster Mage, and Kess all now available that all kind of do the same thing in different ways, and they all happen to be wizards, and they're all wizards, so you get to take advantage of all the really cool wizard tribal effects you get to take advantage of collected company not collected company uh cavern of souls yes making all of your spells encounterable all your creatures encounterable like there's a lot of really cool stuff here um that i'm i'm excited to try out yeah i mean i think likewise there <laughs> there might be a uh a real discard focused deck that could play yeah. like a blue black where the red is just your splash to or- play cast but you're spending the first several turns you know, a thought seizing and wrench minding your opponent, and then you lay down Kess, and then she is like threatening to kill them, and every turn that they sit on cards, you're stripping their cards away. How do you beat Liliana the Veil into Kess? <laughs> if I cast Thoughtseize into two drop, into Liliana of the Veil, into Kess, discarding spells that I can then drop play off of Kess, like a, just a Grixis version of Junt. Mm-hmm. Like replace the green, which Tarmogoyf is bad now, anyways, and Bloodbright Elf for Cass yeah. for like I I I'm terrified of that. I think that's the that beginning <laughs> of the list right now. Take out the Tarmogoyfs, put in the Arcanists, right? Because they cost the same. Yep, yeah, they both easy. want a fill graveyard. <laughs> Thoughtseize is really good with Arcanist. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh my gosh, Thoughtseize with Arcanist. Yeah, the fact that you can, the fact that you can claim um, <laughs> flame, even Thoughtseize, it's just well. This is this is like this is why I'm so excited about power levels cards of this power level is we've come up with seven decks on this episode, maybe more just off of the top of our heads. Mm -hmm. Not even with like the internet's collective strength of coming up with deck lists. We haven't gotten into the fact that like expansion explosion is good with this card as well. Or (laughs) yeah. Cause I mean, I'm really hot on Ral storm conduit and modern. Cause I feel like Ral feels like, Hey, we heard you guys wanted a replacement for splinter twin. What if we gave you a planeswalker who combos with fork spells? And I'm sorry, but (laughs) yeah, but like then you run one or two of her and now, well, I mean, 
because the, of the, the way reiterate she game plan with, with her as well is also really good because yeah. you can reiterate out of the go, yard, out of the like, yard, and bring it back or, or increasing, increasing vengeance. Does increasing vengeance just go infinite by itself with her in play? And well, it, so increasing vengeance says copy target spell oh, twice, twice if you cast it from the yeah. graveyard, but if you're <laughs> if you're playing some sort of strange turns brew and you have seven mana and you're like time warp and I will increasing vengeance it out Twice. of the yard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's no way you lose when you're getting three turns in a row with Kess in play. Yeah. And Kess in this situation doesn't have summoning sickness right. if she's been around. Well, and, and and so like when I, I previewed Kess on the command zone or I previewed it on Twitter and then I guessed on the command zone to talk about it. Um, the deck I kind of built to start out was an extra turns deck. And the problem I had there was A, extra turns in commander, no one has fun. But B, um, there's just not a lot of duplicates. Like like you eventually just kind of run out of cards. Like you, there are enough because every there's tons of extra turns commander decks. But in modern... You just there's like four that you need, and if you're playing four of each of them, that's sixteen cards out of your deck, and the rest of them can just be interaction. You, I think you can go up to twenty. I think you can go up to almost thirty extra turns cards, and yeah. just like Cass and Giga Drowse yeah. <laughs> and, and Cryptic Command, which is basically a, an extra turn card. I think another thing to think about Cass is you know right now we're dealing with the effects of Teferi, Teferi Time Raveler in in modern, yeah. um, and one of the things that Teferi just does also is just really hate on other control decks. In mm -hmm. a way, Kess does that too. If you have Kess in play and you have the mana untapped and you have counter spells in your yard, like it's just no point in trying to fight you in a counter war on your turn. On your turn. turn, yeah, you can just cast combo effects. And you mentioned earlier Pact of Negation. Once Kess is in play and there's a Pact in your yard, your opponent's like, what's the point of fighting you on your turn? Right. So right, you right. essentially are faking a time raveler. Out of like something like Storm or even Ad Nauseam, both of those decks where they're just like, I need protection on my turn, she adds an entire new layer of being able to get those effects. I do think she's actually really good in Storm. I think that's the place that I kind of was underrated on when I came into the podcast or thinking about cards. But the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, she does a lot. Even if you just rebuy a ritual with her on your turn, like yeah. getting you to the point where you go off with Storm, she's really good in that deck. And it's nice because the ritual also allows you to power out Kess earlier. Right. So that if you wanted that turn where you're going to lay down Kess and cast a card, that seems like a rough cast. <laughs> I'm just going to tap yeah, out, spin three, <laughs> spin three cards, three cards to get Kess into play and say go, and you're going to terminate it, and I'm going to feel terrible. I wouldn't do that in Storm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that it, it... But she seems like a great sideboard card. In, in, right, right. Because As, when they're siding out, oh, it's Storm, so I'm going to side out on my creature kill. Well, I'm going to side in Kess, who helps me stay on the Storm plan and also have a win condition. Well, like against, against when we talked about Phoenix, the fact that she's a 3-4 blocker, so she blocks a Phoenix basically eternally, and top of that, she can reback, rebuy Surgical Extractions just for funsies the turn she comes into play is like how does phoenix beat that <laughs> or dredge or dredge yeah like she, she blocks a prized amalgam real good all real yep. good yep uh and and since prized amalgam is about as big as dredge keisters get like she'll block all of them they just go real wide right. she's sad that stinkweed imp just blocks her forever Best blocker in magic. <laughs> hey, what if we uh, what if we made a universal blocker that had death touch and also could always be bought back for free? Yeah, and draws you cards every time you <laughs> draws you five, five cards yeah. every turn. <laughs> um, like think about if Stinkweed Imp was still the same thing, but it only had like Dredge two. You know, like I, it could still see play. That's like the one card that I think is like close to playable without the. I mean, the five is the reason it sees play. It's interesting. It's yeah. interesting that none of the Dredge cards. Because, like, even Dark Blast only sees marginal play right. because it's Dredge 3. Yeah. It, why? 
Well, but like, uh, I mean, Loam is insane. So that's fair uh, that it sees play on Dredge 3. It's interesting that most of the cards they printed with Dredge don't do very much. Which I think the point was that they were afraid of people just rebuying and that being the play pattern that's annoying, not the fact that their dredge is like 12 and lets them get a bunch of cards in their graveyard. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I'm like, I'm always surprised that they didn't go for more of like a grindy value version of the, the format or the, the, the mechanic. And we'll never see it again because it's the. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting that dredge, uh, like is costed on those cards as if it's somehow a drawback, but it's not enough mill for it to be a draw. Like, for it to be enough mill for it to be a drawback, Stinkweed and Dredge needs to be Dredge 12. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm getting a big surge, but, but I can't do this too many times. Yeah, one Stinkweed imp is the best card ever printed. So it's like, that's the problem with Dredge, right? There's no, well, what they should have done is it just should be Dredge 1 and Dredge 2. Like Dredge 1, Dredge 2 is a benefit to the Dredge player. And that's, it's not a cost. It's a, it's a, if you costed it as a benefit, it's better off. Why do we go in this deep dive on Dredge during a cast episode? You tell us, people on the podcast. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it for the episode. I mean, it's been really exciting previewing the best card ever printed. Yeah, given Cast how mage. given how strong she is with like Coligan's command and uh, Cryptic command, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing. Surely, there's going to be modal spells in Modern Horizons, and bring them on. Oh bring yeah, on well, all the all the charms. Right, and that's <laughs> all the commands. The one recommendation is that like it, it is a trap to think that counter magic is bad with her. Because yeah. I think just like you're playing good, like counter magic is good. A lot of people are like, oh, but I can't rebuy it with cast at a time that's relevant. No, it like when you counter magic on your opponent's turn, it's still going to be good to do it. You normally don't get to rebuy those cards anyways. And the fact that cast is makes it on your turn even better is a strength. And I think that a lot of mistakes people are going to go down is just being like, oh, I don't want to play counter magic with her. But she's good with counter magic in commander. She's good with counter magic in legacy. She's good with counter magic. It's fine. Right. Yeah. And I think the the fact that she doesn't, she doesn't say as a sorcery. She says on your turn. And so I think there's going to be a lot of times where you may choose just not to use Kess because you're on the value plan instead of the combo plan. And so you're just like, I'll swing in for three, go. And then if they will try and do something during your instep and they've forgotten that you haven't used Kess mm-hmm. this turn, and you, there are times where you're just going to get them. You're yep. be like, oh, I'll remand out of the yard. you know. Um, and the fact that your flashback spells now get like remanding them right like if you cast a card out of the yard with kess remand is terrible against it yeah because then you oh, it's so uh, bad. it gives you so much right. value if they remand it. yeah this like, and remand's card. one of the better counter spells in yeah. modern i think the fact that she's also just a three four that can attack everyone like blue white is gonna have a real problem with this card because it can attack into all of their spells it makes all of their counter magic so much worse because you now get counter magic free every time they try out committing you on your own turn and they no longer really can do stuff at the end of their turn yeah, because it then allows they you, you to play aggressively with counter spells because mm-hmm. you'll be casting out on your turn, knowing that you're not losing card advantage. Right. Yep. Super excited. Which feels really good for Grixis. Feels like blue white yes. should be the I'm always sitting on my hands, and Grixis should be the I'm throwing out threats and countering when you. Well, I think it's like I mean Corey Burkhardt's got to be super excited now that we previewed this card in front of the cast, who's like. I don't know if you know this, but famous for being, he's like taking, he's the best Grixis control play, modern player of all time. Oh, okay. Is I think the statement I would make comfortably, he's taken it to multiple pro tour top mm-hmm. eights and GP top eights. And, um, and I asked him a while back, like what would, like what is a good Grixis deck right now? And he's like, well, I have six lists in different directions that you could try out. Um, so now he's got cast. Well, Corey, this one's for you. <laughs> Sweet. Um, yeah, I don't know. Super happy. Now I can say my favorite card of all time is Cast and not be like, well, I have a modern podcast, so I should say a different card because she's not a modern. So do you think this means that 
you know, we rag on Ben all the time for playing bad brews at uh, at tournaments, but then I don't feel like we rag on you enough for not playing at tournaments, period. <laughs> so do you think now the printing of your favorite card in Modern will mean that we will start seeing Alex Kessler at Modern GPs playing Kess Grixis decks? I don't think you'll see me playing at a GP main event, uh, mostly because, but I'll play side events. I'll play like full day side events all day or like a PTQ. They sometimes do those that are like one day events. Doing a whole GP when like there's so much other stuff to do at a GP, I'm there much more for like the social experience and yeah. like shopping and going to like panels that they do or waiting in lines for artists to sign things. So yeah. <laughs> waiting in lines, what I like to do. <laughs> hey, it's much more fun than playing magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, that's why I'm saying I'm really excited that the new command zone areas are being added to GPs that you can actually play commander at instead of like hanging out in the, the food court outside. Talking to you, GPLA. <laughs> well, so now we know a grand total of three cards in Modern Horizons. Yeah. And uh, I think this is my favorite one of the three we know. Yeah, easy. I mean, I like Sarah the Benevolent. Don't get me wrong. I have a Planeswalker deck that definitely wants to play with her. But remove this piece of the card. Uh, this piece right here, which is my name. And I still love every other piece of words on this card. Yeah. The fact like that if this was a new card, if they, we were previewing a new card... We'd be so hyped. Oh, yeah. The sna it's Snapcaster Mage every turn. Snapcaster Mage has to be, the, like, maybe the creature I've cast the most in my life. And this is that every turn. Yeah. Cool. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Uh, I am Alex Kessler. This is my our producer, Marshall James. Ben Bateman was here previously for the first half of this episode. Um, he'll tell you how John Wick was on Twitter. Now, like today, probably. So you can go back and look at Twitter from back then. Uh, to find us on Twitter, I am at Kess Wiley. I'm at Marsh Unfocused. Uh, ben is at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, it's and pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. If you search those things, you'll find us. The podcast is at the MM cast. Uh, and uh, we make sure what, uh, two things. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe. There's also a little bell next to the subscription button. Please click on that. It's really important. It helps you get alerted when we're giving out new content. Um, and then uh, make sure to comment with uh, what deck archetype that you're most excited to play Kess in uh, in the comments on YouTube. If you're uh, listening to this at home, uh, just hang out. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, reviews are also appreciated on iTunes. Um, and then we have a Patreon and it's kind of how we're able to accomplish all of this stuff. And we really appreciate it if you guys could uh, check that out, donate to it um, and just become a Patreon member. And that would be great. Thanks, guys. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, sending podcasts into the future.